Hey, and welcome to episode 41 of the Thodcast, conversations about animation. And today, uh, I, your host, Philip Elke, coming to you from Hollywood, am joined by my brother, Dawson, from Minnesota. Hey, Dawson. Hi, Murray. It's so great to be on your show today. Thank you. <laughs> it's so good to have you. Thanks for being willing to come on, and let's uh, give you an opportunity to bring the funny. And bring the funny. That's that's me. I'm just as funny as Arthur Fleck. I <laughs> he, ha- he actually that was one. There was a really great joke in there. The the one about no one's no one's laughing now. I don't want to spoil it if that's a spoiler. Oh, but you know which one yeah. I'm talking about. That was hilarious. There, there was some actual like good humor. I mean, the Joker is kind of the conceit of the character that his jokes are really only funny to himself. Um, but I, I do like subverting that from time to time and having the Joker just be, I, I feel like if there's anyone capable of really having a straight up zinger, it's him. Yeah, well, and it, it wouldn't have been as interesting if he was just 100% awful 100% of the time. But that's maybe getting into deep. Uh, we're yeah. getting right off to our discussion about, of course, the movie Joker and maybe a few other things. According to your discretion, Philip, it is great to mm-hmm. be here on the podcast. Let's talk some movies. Yeah, talking movies. Um, you know, we mainly focus on animation on the podcast, conversations about animation. But we love comic book movies on this show. The same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cartoons adapted from pictures drawn on pieces of paper. And uh, this is is a bit of a departure compared to a lot of the stuff that we've covered on this show because of just how little, like even visual effects or anything of that sort. There's actually probably zero animation in this whole film. I I even loved the titles. Uh, you know, they were they looked like traditional analog uh, credits and, and titles that they use for this film. I, didn't, I yeah. wonder if, if that was done using a computer a la Stranger Things and just made to look retro or if, if someone actually dug up the old, you know, cutting and pasting, you know, and the photo filter. There's a whole oh. process to that. But <laughs> that's, one, that's one thing that didn't make it into our research. And you took the bulk of the mm-hmm. notes. Do you then know if, uh, what the, was this film shot on film or was it digital? I, I I'm, Oh, gosh, I would say that uh, almost certainly shot on film must have been, um, but I can't confirm for sure. Um, and yeah, it's set in 1981. It looks like a movie that was made in 1981, which is extremely refreshing <laughs> to me personally um, for especially a movie that made almost one hundred million dollars opening weekend. You just don't get this level of. It's, I guess, um, pure cinema um, in this day and age. Um, and, and that was a huge appeal for me. And, and of course, most of the stuff we cover on this show is very you know, blockbustery, very polished and yeah. computer. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of computer animation myself. Um, this is the polar opposite of that. Right, which was which was the, the a huge draw for me. Why I was interested, and all the reasons you know people people like this movie, and what you just mentioned. It was cinema. There was not a lot of fancy effects. It was a, a story about you know a human and a lot of psychology, and so it had all that traditional good film stuff going for it. And I still did not like it very much. Oh. at all. But uh, yeah. we don't have to get into opinions right away. And you know, I'm like. It's not a very strong opinion. It, it was when I left the theater, but hmm. we can uh, talk objective things before we mm-hmm. get into the editorial section, if that's sure. 
how you want to do things. Well, then, yeah, I mean, personally, I have always been a fan of the character of the Joker, the archetype. Oh, yeah. And in his best iterations are animated, probably, would you say? I mean, I Heath Ledger is my favorite Joker by far, but you've watched a ton of the 90s Batman. And anytime Mark Hamill does Joker, it's it's a knock out of the park. So. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's such a just visceral, riveting performance. And anytime he's behind the microphone, um, Heath Ledger. Uh, yeah, he's probably my favorite. Um, that I mean, that was when I first really became turned on to the Joker and his persona. That's Joker's what does it for you. <laughs> turns you on. <laughs> it turns me on. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know. He thinks my Joker's sexy. <laughs> uh, that's uh, actually, well. What, what? I, I wish I could quit you. <laughs> that's the line oh, sorry, from. Bro- oh. oh, I wish I could quit you. That's the line from Brokeback Mountain. Also, oh, I've never, Fletcher, never seen another, another Joaquin. Fe- no, that's Joan Hall. The- Heath Ledger. That was Joker and uh, in Insomnia. Not I wouldn't be surprised if Joaquin Phoenix was considered for that movie, though. I bet he was. And was River still? No, he wasn't alive. No, um, no, very, yeah, very true. But that's one of the one of the things, just big things overall. Uh, my main gripes with the film is that I I didn't get any of the Joker that I knew and love from Joaquin's portrayal of the Joker. Yes, of mm. course, his acting was phenomenal, obviously, but this Joker was not the the crazy manic intelligent like how is this joker gonna outsmart batman i mean he's got mm-hmm. a lot of growing up to do alongside bruce wayne if he's gonna you know so so that was that was yeah that's what i was strongly wondering during the trailers for this film it didn't feel like this character would even have nearly the i don't know competence to match right. with against uh but I, I like how that's dealt with in this movie. And um, I mean, uh, it, it, I, works, I it works better as just a, a story about a guy who's crazy and, you know, goes off the rocker and commits a murder rather than a Joker film. I, in, and people have made that argument. Oh, this would be better if it just yeah. wasn't a Joker film. If it wasn't a Joker film, no one would have gone to it. Um, so it kind of needed that. And it, you know, I, it was, I think it, it still would have gotten buzz. Yeah, for sure would have gotten it would have I don't think it would have gotten a lot of positive buzz if it mm. if it wasn't a Joker film. I think I think then people well, would have just seen it as a purely nihilistic like incel inspiring it's you know <laughs> meant to be. And you know I that was I don't I obviously have never believed that you know movies cause violence or they or directly cause violence or you know but um this this was I w- I was shocked how I was expecting the movie to be like, oh, it, the movie will let the audience know how obviously horrible the Joker is and that he's like clearly terrible. And it 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 looked like they were portraying him as a hero the whole time, which is, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, he, you know, he's bad, but the movie wasn't letting you know he was bad. The movie was letting you know, like, this was this was amazing. This is the best thing. Everything happening in the film is the best thing to happen to this guy mm-hmm. in his life. And we should strive to be like him. It was it was <laughs> being, social yeah. chain the perspective of the i guess narrator was you know at at best agnostic uh, and at worst sympathetic yeah um, so you-, you know i walked i walked out more moralistic than i thought i would like mm. you know kind of going should movies like this be made like honestly you know we can we can talk about how good of cinema it is all day but 
you know. Did you read and, my notes, by the way? I, I did read. I, I mean, I read through them. Yeah, okay. all, all of them. I don't know where. Maybe I accidentally and, jumped to a spot that I shouldn't have already. Well, to... regarding uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance and his involvement in the film, I mean, he wouldn't have chosen this project if it weren't a depiction of someone in, in the Joker's mental state, the way he is and that um, transformation, progression, and really trying to get inside the head, you know, psychoanalyzing this character, essentially. Right, uh, which is, of course, is really interesting and really cool. And then something I, I haven't researched, just because I don't even really want to get into those weeds, but my, like my wife and I were wondering when we walked out, like, what does the, the mentally ill community, if that's proper to say, you know, mm -hmm. think about, because, you know, it's like mental, you know, stop blaming mass murder and violence on mentally ill people. Like, we don't all do that. And then this film was like, yeah, this guy's mentally ill. And he mass murdered, like, or not mass murders, but like, he he is violent, like crazy violent. Um, so it was, it's, I think, complicated in an interesting way. You know, a film about a guy who's mentally ill, what he goes through, how he's abused, how the system mistreats mentally ill people, and then how he, like, you know, gets violent. That's, of course, that's an interesting story and, and ripe for, for cinematic portrayal. Um, and then, the, yeah, there, but there is that other part of my brain that goes like, is this the kind of movie we need right now? And and I don't know, I don't like, it's, it's weird to, you know, kind of try to put my morality on filmmakers, I guess, but, you know, anyway. Uh, so I, I feel it all boils down to execution. If this wasn't an artfully crafted, film then certainly I, I would have dismissed it but, uh i certainly enjoyed the craft of it and i was on the edge of my seat the entire time i had some issues with it but yeah. uh, you know i it uh and and the issues you know that i had were kind of narrative based and, and technically based um, yeah if you want to get in do you want to get into that right now sure it, it felt surprisingly like a comic book movie to me despite uh the you know lo-fi aesthetic um and as in you know not a lot of visual effects and uh, you know bright color is, is pretty desaturated um with a with a few notable uh, and effective exceptions um and i i like the the grittiness of gotham that enigma is something I'm, i've always been interested in throughout the batman universe because gotham yeah. just seems to be just this wretched you know crap hole of and, the, and the reason city. always was like because of the crime right but mm -hmm. in in this movie it was like it's because of the rich it's because of the one percent and it's well, you it's, know the the down and out there's a disparity there's an inevitable disparity when yeah. there's such extreme poverty there's also you know it's not there's going to be people at the top who are going to be kind of scapegoated or you know rightfully or wrongfully uh, blame mm -hmm. for a lot of the issues you know leadership is is crucial to any society or culture and uh oh, yeah. in gotham that leadership is lacking uh, yeah. i like how they tackled that with the portrayal of thomas wayne ah and i and i know i'm probably a just a, a whiny like i like i like my my morality black and white but i hated <laughs> that they that they portrayed thomas wayne that way because he was very out of touch uh, super out of touch and you know apparently you know was like adulterous with his you know secretaries or whatever and uh yeah he was a he was a complete like douche and it's like so when you know when when young child batman his parents 
his loving parents are mercilessly and, and just non and, and senselessly murdered outside of a theater. You know, you you think that like that's so tragic. You relate and you would hate you would never want that to happen to you. And so you're on Batman's side when he goes through his he becomes Batman so that he can avenge his family and prevent things like that from happening to other people. And the people who murdered his parents were criminals. So he wants to fight the criminals and clean up Gotham. But now it's like, oh, well, Thomas deserved to die because he was a rich mm. part of the language. <laughs> right. um, well, it just, you know, reduces. And I am obviously generally love making things more complicated than making things more black and white. But in this case, it that didn't really resonate very strongly for me. Like, I don't know. And I thought maybe they would, I thought maybe they would show more that, like corrupt like criminal corruption in leadership mm -hmm. was a problem because that you know but gotham has always had that that crime syndicate mm -hmm. issue i'm i'm glad they didn't focus on that honestly that could have gotten become a distraction well I, yeah maybe but i guess it, i would have been i would have it would have been nice to see joker kill the bad guys just as much as he was killing well, and there weren't, well, there weren't any good guys. That was actually, you know, something of like, you know, the, the, the three idiots that he killed in the bus, like, obviously they were trash people. I, I mean, were they evil? Did they deserve to die? No, mm -hmm. I guess probably not. Maybe they did. I don't know. In self-defense. I, I don't know. And the, well, the fact that, you know, you even have to like sort through that is obviously something that the film wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It's, it's a very bleak film. Uh, but I, I thought I didn't think it was soulless either. I, I think it felt really soulless to me. But then I had to think about that later and be like, well, was it, you know, was that their intent? And, and I don't know anything about Todd Phillips. The fact that he's the one responsible for hangover leads me to believe that he might be soulless. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, the uh, thing that attracted uh, Joaquin Phoenix to the role and the writing and and even looking back upon Todd Phillips' resume, uh, Joaquin Phoenix comments that um, he, despite the sort of bro perception of some of his earlier work, you know, Hangover movies, uh, Road Trip, uh, Due Date, um, the characters in those films, according to Phoenix, do have a certain sentimentality to them, um, that they are, uh, you know, fairly well-rounded characters, interesting characters, despite, you know, some of the other, you know, more superficial elements of those films. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen the first Hangover and, and some of the second one. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, there's a reason why those films were successful. Bradley Cooper, that was one of his breakout roles that made him, you know, the megastar he is today. Oh, no, Alias did that. This <laughs> exactly. is way before Hangover. <laughs> Alias probably led to Hangover and then and then into Aloha with Rachel McAdams, right? Oh, no, okay. I don't, no, I don't I no know. Idea. That came out around the same time as Mad Max, probably after. Nobody, there's, he's done plenty of stuff that nobody re remembers, just like any other major actor. Yeah. Um, well, oh, forgot what I was going to say. Something about I don't know. I, we were, yeah, char compelling characters. And it, oh yes, you know, I was gonna. I was gonna say everyone I didn't like, and everyone I didn't like in high school loved The Hangover. It was the best movie ever to them. So yeah. <laughs> likable characters in compromising situations, um, mm. including. I mean, everyone likes the Joker, <laughs> despite how evil and malicious 
despicable he is, like uh, he he's an enjoyable character to watch. This is oh, a different, yeah. a very different take on him. So that departure could be a hang up, certainly. He's a he's a fascinating foil for Batman, and like we we definitely see how how crazy and chaotic and violent he is. We haven't, or at least as far as I know, we haven't seen that just raw in your face as realistic as as it can get violence of the joker so that was something i thought about too where like in you know heath ledger's joker he's gonna he's gonna blow up boats he slams a bad guy's head onto a pencil and like you know that everyone loves that moment i love Mm -hmm. that moment it's amazing you know we it's absolutely yeah absolutely no blood yeah no blood it happens quickly it happens to Mm -hmm. a bad guy so you see the joker do something you know maniacal and violent but you know you kind of you get a you get a little rush out of it and it's delightful mm-hmm. whereas there, there's no delight in this movie there's nothing delightful at all going on and you know i guess that that did help me that you know i would i wouldn't mind seeing a batman in this universe because joker obviously everything he does is as bad and feels as bad as as what this Joaquin Phoenix Joker did cuz that was one i i felt I mean, I felt uncomfortable the whole time watching this movie, more than I felt in a movie in a long time, because it was just, it was that raw. It was that real. And so, you know, should movies be made like that all the time? But yeah, see, I I love that. I like digging into the psychology of this character who had just such a tortured upbringing. Um, You know, every, I've never been been happy a minute of my life like that. (laughs) What an awful and you know you hear that and then and then you watch him do what he does all these all these often and the fact yeah that he developed this extreme coping mechanism that i i feel is akin to some of the scarring that previous iterations of the joker uh, endured from being poisoned by chemicals in a lab for example you know yeah, that's manifested how... <laughs> so here in the form of this condition that he had it's so fascinating. I read that in your notes that like every pretty much all the jokers involved a vat of toxic waste. And I'm like, that's hilarious. That seems like such an like an outdated mindset that in order to be crazy, well, that's that's how the trope uh, came into have, the of fall into a vat of toxic waste. And it's like, you know, people, there aren't more complex reasons that a person might go insane and want to burn the whole system down. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's the but I think we like, you know, to believe that, oh, someone would only do what the Joker did if they fell into well, a green chemical vat. It helps that you don't live in L.A. and, and you don't quite see just the dregs of where society can go quite. I used to live in L.A. I've seen I've seen the dregs. I've seen a lot of dregs. Yeah. Or are you talking to me or like people? No, you, you. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, you've, you've seen I, I mean, I live in it. Um, Every day I see, you know, homeless encampments and, you know, people who are just, it's, it's like the underground of the underground people who are yeah. asked aside, like literal trash that, you know, is even mentioned in the film. There's, <laughs> there's like uh, super rats, manage, super rats, waste management strikes. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what a mess. Of course, back in that era, New York city, early 80s this movie's supposed to be set in 1981 gotham city uh it, it was similarly you know in a state of decay um and it, parts of it still are today but it's certainly cleaned up i feel um and and that that was captured in like the ni- uh, 1976 martin scorsese movie taxi driver 
we have a character who's sort yeah. of driven mad by being exposed to the you know, dregs of New York City underworld. Life is so tragic and awful that it can bring you to commit horrible acts that just aren't even horrible anymore because life is so horrible and they might even frankly be warranted. And that's, you know, which I obviously don't believe, but I, I don't think it's, and while I obviously don't believe that like a movie can directly cause violence, I don't think it's that much of a stretch for, you know, people who are already on the edge mm -hmm. to, to see something like this and go, that's the world I live in. I relate to that character. And like, you know, that's what we do need. We need to bring the system down because it's, it's not working. And it's like the upside down from Stranger Things, but in the real world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it can, it, and depending on, and on who you are and where you're living and in your circumstances, the, the entire world in existence can feel that utterly nihilistic and it, which is tragic. And then everything's inverted. Right. So, sort of, sort of like the Adams family, which I had no interest in seeing that uh, animated movie. I, I believe it came Me out neither. last weekend. It looked pretty wretched. Uh, I don't, oh. I haven't heard anything about it. I know that 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 made me go. Why, you know, why is that even a question worth asking anymore? Of, speaking of plastic looking, you know. yeah. Why would you resurrect the Adams family and animate it and make it look terrible all three at the same time? Come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron are the lead. They're Morticia and Gomez. Um, Bet they enjoyed okay. those paychecks. <laughs> October 11th release date. Yeah, I didn't see it over the weekend. Um, it has a 5.9 on IMDb. Uh, <laughs> funny note. What's, what studio? Oh. Uh, Is it the one that made The Grinch? Uh, Metro Goldwyn Meyer. Oh. Uh, I, I feel like I butchered that pronunciation. Metro Goldwyn Meyer. <laughs> M MGM, the roaring MGM. lion of our of our dreams. Of yeah, I don't know what animation. Uh, Cinecite Studios. Um, There's like a Canadian animation company did the animation for it, um, and it made thirty million dollars at the box okay. office. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, not bad considering it. It looks fairly cheap. <laughs> Yeah, like some third-party off-brand foreign country made animated this like, renowned, you know, classic golden I age mean, television series with stars in it. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It's it's not too hard to get start when you have like a, a studio uh, distributing it like MGM. But yeah, the um, that was probably one of the biggest expenses on the film, getting the star power behind it. Uh, yeah, so I don't but know. Did you we'll... see it? Did you did, did you see that film? No, I didn't. I didn't see Adam's Family. I don't know. Oh. If we'll review it. Probably not, unless we just want to do it kind of as a joke. But I don't want to go. Don't yeah. Go to that. <laughs> what else? Um, what what Halloween films are coming out this? this Maleficent. Week? We got to talk about Maleficent. I feel. I saw half of the first one in the hospital once. It wasn't oh. as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, okay, so you'd maybe be up for revisiting it then. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to maybe talk about Coco and I don't know, uh, which is a couple of years old now, but, um, but I haven't seen it. You know, and kind of Halloween day, the dead. Yeah. You haven't seen it. No. And I, I heard, I heard nothing about the film while it was in theaters, but then the moment it hit Netflix, Facebook for days was people posting about how much they were crying after watching Coco. Oh, that was, was like, yeah. That was a big part of why I wanted to talk about it on the show. Cause it showed up on Netflix. 
yeah where where were these people when the film came out in theaters like support support your local movie theater and your local pixar and go to these movies in the cinema like, they went in and like 20 minutes into the frozen short film that came before they're like what <laughs> is it over already because <laughs> that, that was that like 20 minutes frozen short film 20 minute frozen short film. yeah for, we talked about it uh when you and i uh were talking about the frozen yeah trailer number Olaf's, three. Olaf's Frozen Adventure, whatever. I had no idea mm -hmm. it was 20 minutes long, though. Yeah, it was a big addition to the lore of uh, Frozen. Wow. Um, I quick want to jump back to, you know, you mentioned uh, LA and, and you know, the, the dregs and what what it's like out there. Do you have of opinions on like what could be done to fix the issue? Because I all I've heard is that it is bad. I haven't heard anyone talk about um, like yeah, to make it better. You kind of got to yeah figure out a way to get these people to, you know, conform to some sort of, you know, or, uh, organizational, <laughs> uh, or I don't know, some kind of regimen where maybe build a facility where they're given, you know, monitored doses of, you know, whatever substance yeah. that's able to they're, placate they're, them. They're mo I mean, everyone living on the streets is on the streets largely because of drugs i mean they're they're um, they can't mm -hmm. afford housing one because housing is obviously horrendously expensive in los angeles but then yeah. you know they also they lack the mental fortitude to go through the proper channels to you know, seek help to to even go about you know yeah renting a property you know anything of that and so when you can't when you can't do any of that and you're like i i'm too i don't i don't have any drugs drugs make me feel something so drugs, that's yeah or just you know you, you're too mentally ill to really function you know in any normal capacity you'd think a state like california would you know uh, I, I don't know but well it, it's so also, it's so warm there that you know people can get away with living outside yeah, and I think the most effective solution that they found in other places is you know, administering just a limited supply of drugs, essentially, to these people, mm -hmm. you know, to keep them um, alive and a guided withdrawal program. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like that, if if you can, if you can do it, um, mm -hmm. that that would just be a very massive undertaking. And there's a lot of criticism for that type of thing because, like, <laughs> you shouldn't give people who are already addicted to drugs more drugs but um, well i mean you know. sometimes i mean you pre you prescribe clonazepam sometimes for you know anxiety or, or what have you and like mm -hmm. that's that's as bad that's as bad as any opioid and you, you know people need to get off that but mm -hmm. then it was given to them for a medical reason i mean you know frankly if someone is is mentally ill and they're strung out on what have you it's you know like you're prescribe them it's like a it's like weaning them off a well, prescription at that point you know and then it'll just turn into the big warehouses in like one episode of the black mirror where the people are just on these treadmills all day working towards uh these um <laughs> trivial goals and like they can spend their currency on a chance to like become a music celebrity or you know do you remember that with um the guy who was in Get Out and I haven't I haven't watched any Black Mirror. Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite Black Mirror concept because I feel like that's totally where things could go, where like people who are at the bottom rung of society will just be like spending their days just like playing video games essentially on on treadmills so that they stay at least somewhat physically fit. 
and yeah. uh <laughs> yeah and just gain points to spend on these you know tr trinkets and oh, it's like yeah. people on scratch offs i mean they, <laughs> yeah i this you'll you'll settle for mm -hmm. i mean if it gets people off the streets i mean maybe <laughs> um but anyway heavy, heavy stuff here on the on the thought this is cast. great this is the quality radio the right here. meltdown of society this is the secondhand uh, joe rogan podcast now where we talk about societal <laughs> ills and cinema interesting uh um well and we uh i know i wanted to talk maybe a little more about comic yeah books yeah and hit it. the ways this film felt like a comic book movie more so than just a straight up you know like martin scorsese film which speaking of martin scorsese he was in the news recently oh due to yeah comments he made regarding talk, Mar talk yeah that. marvel thoughts on that i'm very curious <laughs> well he basically said marvel movies aren't cinema and i guess you could extend no, that to like i did actually read about this so yeah. i am i'm a, i'm read up on this topic but yeah martin scorsese was originally a producer on the joker and uh he or or it's actually just joker but you know back when it was first announced um he was attached and then he actually passed the baton to his producing partner who uh was in charge of transitioning the filming of scorsese's new movie the irishman and the crew behind that over to the joker in their new york based production wow yeah and so no accidents really with the similarities to scorsese's style no and the, the reason the irishman you know was it was filmed uh, pre you know prior to the joker which makes sense because that movie involves a lot of post-production cgi you know performance capture trying a de-aging of robert de niro and um al, al pacino is it as well do, do you know much the about irishman? the irishman the, well, yeah is it is it seriously coming straight to netflix and the limited a limited theatrical, theatrical release though yeah how why is this scorsese movie not getting a broad theatrical release I, yeah i i guess that's just how I'm, the deal was arranged by netflix i'm surprised he like likes netflix or would be willing yeah. to do that i mean if he if he doesn't think marvelous cinema how can he think that sending <laughs> movies straight into people's homes is cinema touche like, uh steven spielberg said something similar now he's developing content for apple yeah app i've been hearing more about apple lately uh that's trying to be a thing uh, the apple streaming service mm -hmm. um hey irishman irishman has 100 percent on rotten tomatoes okay 100 freaking percent <laughs> wow yeah 8.5 on imdb and 90 that, that might be worth talking about because of the de-aging effects um and also that new movie gemini man that just came out oh are you gonna see I, that i i want to see it um but yeah i don't know if it's how well i, I kind of want to see it in the high frame rate uh format as well oh because it, it was shot in 120 frames per second 120 <laughs> Remember yeah. the days when 48 was a big deal? Oh, it was back in 2012 when yeah. that old Hobbit trilogy came out. Well, anything higher than 24, yeah, anything higher than 24 frames per second totally removes it from any semblance of being like a traditional motion picture. I felt no, not at all. 40, 48 looks like 
slime a tv show it's a soap opera a tv yeah it's so right and i we were having that problem on my new tv and yeah you have to deactivate that as soon as I, you get and a new i TV. did it should be legally required by law and it's funny because <laughs> some people i so agree like i can't even tell you it's it's up there with why do they even have that it's like why in the why do we even why have that we... level <laughs> that's so good that's so true but people don't notice and I think it's like, I think, man, like if there yeah. was, if you wanted to, if you wanted, to, or they think, oh, this is better. It looks more clear. Yeah. If you want to divide society into the, the up, an upper echelon and a lower echelon, <laughs> divide it by who can tell when the soap opera effect is happening on their TV. Um, be, I, like yes. my, so my, my wife wasn't, didn't notice because they, she, you know, they have a giant TV in the basement at their house, a giant TV because giant TVs are great. Right. And I go down there to watch stuff and I'm like, this is not good. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at, look at the office on my laptop. Now look at it on that TV. And she went, Oh my God. Oh, and now she now she notices and it drives her crazy. But we did fix it on our TV. So, okay, that's good. Yep. We're, but I, I mean, I'm just curious because I feel like also being in 3D, it just might make for a kind of a cool yeah. sense of being there immediately in the action. It won't feel like a movie. But no, it won't. And that's and maybe that maybe that's okay that we're entering an era where things aren't really movies anymore, but they're sort of in. Like virtual reality experiences yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah strange i don't even know what you call it but maybe that's that's so, how new things get invented like what's the next movie uh yeah we, we could talk about that i mean left since this weekend um but we could maybe fit in something related to gemini if you get a chance to see well it. if something um, is yeah. has been released now in 120 frames per second i should probably go see that so i can mm -hmm. you know say i was there when it happened. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, anyway. Um, so, so Scorsese on, you know, Marvel movies being seen. Yes. He clearly wouldn't, you know, extend that opinion to this movie, Joker. No. But the other mainstream Marvel films and DC films um, compares to, well, sort of like how Gemini Man is not like a traditional cinema experience. Yeah, he would say the same for Marvel films. And I, I mean, to an extent, I agree. However, I, I do think Marvel films do a good job of transcending the comic book genre. And that's why I've stuck with the MCU for you know, yeah. 20 plus movies. Every Marvel film is fine at worst and genuinely great at best. They're, these movies aren't dumb and they're not like, they're they're not they're not always uh, yeah. just big dumb action theme park rides no and like i liked what james gunn replied where he was like martin scorsese you're one of my favorite filmmakers of all time and when i make my guardians of the galaxy movies i'm not like I, i'm trying to make the best films i can like i hope i hope you like my films because they're mm -hmm. about complicated you know, they're about complicated characters i mean uh, all every with maybe the exception of I mean, even Captain Marvel, you know, was she had a, you know, they tried. I, I don't know. People, people who just flat out are like, I'm sick of Marvel and they're all dumb. Like, no, they're they're not all dumb. I, if you're sick of it, I, that's one thing. Um, and again, like Doctor Strange, I think not a lot of people talk about Doctor Strange much or if they like it or whatever. I 
like Doctor Strange a lot. And so I think, you know, someone retweeted at Martin Scorsese, like, when we were making Doctor Strange, Scott Derrickson said, like, or the producer, the studio even said, like, how can we make it weirder? Make it weirder. Um, there's more creativity and, and I think more, well, human interest going on in the Marvel films than people give them credit for. I mean, what's, what's it's, yeah, they're very human films. There's nothing unhuman about wanting to watch superheroes take on, you know, watching great heroes take on great villains. I mean, that's, that's, that's deep in our psychology as much as someone spiraling down a path of yeah. psychosis because yeah. we have the, we've been telling those stories of heroes since we were, you know, cavemen, probably. Yeah, the, the Campbellian, you know, hero with the thousand faces. Ex exactly. Yeah. Marvel Marvel has succeeded at, at telling the Campbellian hero story 900 times. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and with varying degrees of success. And so. I, I do, you know, I, I mean, I want Avengers Endgame to get Oscar attention. I think yeah. Robert Downey Jr. deserves a nomination. Um, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, I know, has been getting buzzed for his performance. So that'd be interesting to have competing uh, comic book films. Um, this Joker is much less an adaptation of anything that's come previously. Right. Uh, but, there, you know, like I mentioned, there were some tropes that felt comic booky. The whole, like, what what if J the Joker is Batman's brother? <laughs> oh yeah, that woof. I that that took me out of the film completely. Mm. When I they're like, no, no, you're not even gonna try this. You're not gonna try this. Really, they're brothers. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I mean, and then like, okay, that whole scene. That's the, the rest of the movie. I mean, the performances were strong enough to where I wasn't like retching in my seat. No, but like, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna show up at the fence of the richest man in Gotham's house, and his son is gonna be alone in a yard, and the son is gonna let him let some stranger stick his hands in his mouth. Like, I don't think so. That what? was really odd. And yeah. yeah, that was that was odd, and that should have been a cut scene. Also, that Alfred was. I mean, I don't want to like no offense to the actor but like we've seen michael kane be i like that opera i don't know uh i don't have the actor's name on hand but i, I it was a different take on the character which i like a little younger you know and younger a port portly a portly er gentleman <laughs> a portly weasley gentleman you know they just everything i'm surprised bruce wayne wasn't a girl because thomas wayne was a jerk and Alfred was weaselly and in every there was there were no heroes. Everyone was bad. Everything was flipped on its head. Everything yeah. was awful. Like it, Bruce Wayne should have been, you know, bat girl. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the yeah, that I'm glad they didn't depart that far from the comics. But the ways it did tie into the comics, it you know, felt, I mean, a little obvious, a little on the nose. Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, Arthur Fleck just stalked the Wayne mansion for hours and hours before Bruce Wayne came out to play in his uh, little uh, playground area yeah. or something. I mean, we're gonna put we're gonna put our kids' playground as far away from the house as we possibly can, as close to the main gate as as we mm. can. Like, okay, however <laughs> um, that worked. So yeah, like there were there was yeah. people. I think people are most people who love this movie are giving it more credit than it deserves, and people who hate this movie and think it's you know gonna incite violence and it's the you know worst thing ever. Douglas Hodge, by the way, uh, is Alfred Pennyworth. 
Okay, cool. Well, um, well good job. He, Congrats on landing this role. I don't know what else he was in. Done. Red Sparrow, Black Mirror. Oh, how <laughs> how perfect is this, Dawson? Though the, this movie is currently ranked number ten on the IMDb top two fifty. What? It's, isn't this exactly the sort of film that is just like catnip for IMDb users? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that film is that yeah. film is number 10 on IMDb's top 250 because it thinks it should be. Yeah. Not because <laughs> it be... deserves it. It's like, I, I think, yeah, I, I feel like people, I, I kind of like looked around after the film and I'm like, people are going to be tricked into thinking this is, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. This, uh, you know, I, yeah, yeah, it's better than it is. It's certainly trying very hard to be a prestige film, and it's looking for, at you know, Scorsese and saying, "Did I do good, Dad? Did I do good?" Ex- yeah, exactly. Well, d- did you see um, Taxi Driver or The King of Comedy leading up to this? No, but I'm very intrigued now. Uh, in hindsight, uh, yeah, they're both very good, like very watchable films, even from. The modern perspective, like the uh, Taxi Driver was 1976, um, King of Comedy was 1982. They don't feel very dated, mm-hmm. um, which is why they've kind of withstood the test of time. Period pieces, you know, like what made in the period that they depict. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like um, kind of the parallels to the King of Comedy, which I really enjoyed. It features a, a somewhat less unhinged character than Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver. You know, both leads are played by Robert De Niro, um, huh. who, of course, in the, you know, makes an appearance in this film, Joker, uh, in the Jerry Lewis role that's in The King of Comedy, where Jerry Lewis plays a uh, late-night talk show host. Does Jerry Lewis get murdered at the end of King of Comedy? <laughs> well, I shouldn't spoil it. Oh. I... I um, Let's let's just say no. They don't go quite that far yeah. with that character. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess um, we did. Did we get a spoiler warning for Joker? It doesn't I didn't matter. Say because... anything. I just asked if Jerry Lewis gets murdered at the end of tech, of King of Comedy. I didn't say anything. Okay. What happens in Joker? There's a lot of murder in Joker. There's a lot. Um, so yeah, that that, that statement. Well, and then on the, other, bearing... on the other hand, there's there's only a handful of murder. Like, but it feels yeah, like... we cannot confirm or deny whether it had any bearing on any of the events of Joker. The but we should say full spoilers for Joker. Yeah, you know, moving forward. I mean, we're near the end of our episode, but um, for anyone who maybe hasn't seen it, uh, we'll we'll definitely be diving heavily into spoilers from here on out. Well, now I feel like the review's over. Well, we didn't get into, um, well, yeah, I mean, what's next? just some of the, yeah. the key uh, plot details, such as, you know, the, the unre- unreliable narrator component of, you know, Arthur Fleck. Um, did, you, did you totally tell that was what was happening as it was happening, or...? I kind of wanted that to be true because I didn't really buy his, you know, relationship. This, yeah, dalliance with uh, yeah, with uh, <laughs> his neighbor Razazi uh, Zazi Beats, right? Yeah, uh, I guess it's pronounced Bates, kind of like Beethoven, because she's German. Oh, Bates, Zazi Bates. Um, yeah. yeah, actress I I really like. Uh, she was in um, Deadpool two. 
that's that yeah she looked familiar so really rounding out all the the comic book uh well r-rated comic book spinoffs yeah um to your point about one hoping it was it was this relationship that arthur was having with this character you and i yeah we're in spoiler territory now you wanted it Mm -hmm. to not be true because it seemed it just yeah it didn't make if Mm -hmm. if this guy was actually having a relationship if if a guy like arthur landed a girl like her he'd be fine life would be great he wouldn't kill anyone <laughs> um think yeah yeah so I, I, and i don't know like she clearly was in a tough situation as well and you know could be lonely um arthur he you know is a very tortured individual but i'm not he's not totally invalid either no. like he takes care of his mother yeah it was hard to he and i, well, I guess because he was he was a complicated character he was never sometimes he seemed normal and then sometimes he seemed totally not normal at all and mm-hmm. i don't you know and he was on medication um and that, like as he got off his medication you know his wherewithal improved and he was able to his behaviors um, uh, got worse, but his yeah, his his able his ability to function in a clear manner certainly improved. Right, which um, I think, which for I know the the half in the bag reviewers at Red Letter Media, I think they agreed that that was the moment where they started to see the Joker that we all know and love come through. And I I disagree. I, that didn't that transition wasn't sharp enough like he didn't he didn't go Mm. from you know bumbling incompetent insane person to uh, zany brilliant maniacal Mm. conniving insane person you know just from getting off the meds that didn't didn't happen right there but it started to go in that direction yeah you get the earliest glimpses of it um i'm not that interested in like a sequel also no uh theory do you do you think he killed Sophie, uh, Zazie Bates' character? Oh, and the you know, possibly the daughter. No, I've I, never shown that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I, yeah. um, I, I feel I, like in a movie this dark, they might as well have just shown it. <laughs> yeah, right. They and that would have well, and you know, I think that might have been one of the reasons that like I, I well like they they wanted to show him as a hero or like where he wasn't the film didn't make him seem evil enough or like it wanted us to sympathize with him it wanted us to see mm-hmm. him as a hero if if mm-hmm. they had shown him kill her and that girl then we would have been done we would not have been on his side any no. for any more seconds but because it didn't show it and we're maybe made to believe that he showed them mercy it's like oh yeah the joker has a proper sense of who deserves to die and who deserves to live well, is, his murdering his former colleague, I feel, serves that purpose in this well, film. But he was he was a jerk, you know. He, <laughs> it's he, understandable. He yeah, his motives. And he let the nice little person leave. And you know, again, yeah. not that not to like impose the moralistic whatever, but that that moment, that moment that they depicted when he killed. Oh, the, I love that. That was such a tense moment was, when oh, the, well, yeah, when he couldn't. The guy get out had of the to room. leave. Oh, couldn't leave. I, if I that made me feel like those nightmares where I'm trapped and I'm trying to run away, but I can't. And so that was <laughs> mm-hmm. horrible. But what he said, where he was like, where Arthur was sitting down, and he said, "It's okay, you can go. You've been nice to me." That's like straight out of accounts of school shootings. We're people have said mm. exactly that thing to students and that just it it felt 
just it's so raw so real like mm. yeah a, a little bit you know out of place in a comic book movie but that's you know this movie is not trying to be a comic book movie necessarily yeah no it's trying to be complex and dark but, and artful and but like the there are a few stretches of logic though towards the end especially with like him getting ready and all glammed up for his appearance on the talk show and in the amount of time that you know allowed him to avoid any um encounters with authorities yeah because uh, i mean the <laughs> cops they they were tracking him down but not for killing his his former co-worker and it was like something else that they were tracking him regarding oh because they uh was it because he stole the records from arkham pretending to his mom or he, he'd been behaving erratically i think well they they were they suspected him of being the one who killed the the three boys on the oh train. the the guys on the train exactly yeah. mm -hmm. uh because they heard about how his co-worker gave him the gun and the incident they, at the hospital and and all those didn't things. they refer yeah didn't they refer to those guys as wall street bankers yeah the three frat boys were wall street mm -hmm wall streeters i guess which on, you know gotham has a wall street apparently uh, that say thank you i noticed that too these wall street types and wall streets in new york brah i mean i mean i guess you can well and you hold on you can't you can't trade in the stock market on the internet in 1981 so you have to I literally think, be yeah. wall street in order to to buy and sell stocks right Unless new york just doesn't exist yeah it's just gotham and metropolis that i think are like stand-ins for New York. And maybe there's two yeah. Wall Streets. There's probably Wall Streets in, in more than one city. So maybe, well, maybe I'm the idiot. Like, <laughs> Wall Street is only in New York. And then someone on the internet's like, Dustin, yeah. you numb nuts. There's Wall Streets all over the place. My grandma and lives depending, on it. Depending on the source, Gotham City and Metropolis are like sister cities. They're like across a bay from each other. Are so they? like. Are they that close well, together in 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 canon lore? In um, well, in the Batman versus Superman world, they they are. They're like across a river or across a bay. Um, so they're kind of you know Yikes. whatever <laughs> financial center that exists in that megapolis. Um, it could either be Gotham or Metropolis, but like it would be understandable. You'd have three guys on a train you know that would be close to gotham wow so um, it's like in like in parks and rec where you've got eagleton is the the, the nice town and pawnee is the the town you know or you've got the the south side of the tracks in in the dc world you've got metropolis as the nice side of the tracks and the whole city of gotham as the south side wow that's yeah it's it's like san francisco and oakland for example oh okay um Los Angeles and Long Beach. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, um, and those things always seem to change, you know, like what, what's the bad part of town and what's the good, you know, it seems to shift a lot, which is great because I don't want the bad part yeah. of town to stay the bad part of town forever. It's right in the name, Gotham. <laughs> yeah. What it, Gotham is always, every time I hear the name, I like have a hard time taking it seriously because <laughs> who names a city that? What is it? Is that like Latin for something? And there are some landmarks in New York City that are named Gotham, you know, something or other. Oh, so I, I think there's ties to the history of New York, you know, that have to do with that term. But um, the 
the fact that like the show uh, Murray Franklin is telecast exactly live to the point where you know you can you can murder somebody on screen and it will air. I, that's uh, yeah. I don't and think he kept, he kept Arthur on the air and you know his his cameraman kept telling him to cut, but he's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this tense controversial conversation on live TV. I don't know. Yeah, or his uh, producer played by Mark Maron. Um, but yeah, the that that was a a good exchange. I thought like De Niro um, stayed engaged and um, you know really sold the gravity of what uh, Arthur was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Arthur wasn't political. You know, he made that clear. That you know, the whole a mob of protesters had nothing to do with you know Arthur's motives, but you know, he gradually like turned and you know he came to yeah profess that you know there are people who are on the lower level of society who are who have been neglected and and that you know we we need to do something to rectify the inequities of of society especially in Gotham and yeah I mean it it was it was such a tense exchange that they had and you're led to think from scenes early in the film you know that he's planning on killing himself um which you know I no I knew I knew he well (laughs) yeah yeah I think you could pretty much mm -hmm, predict that um, I, I had it spoiled for me, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel like it, realistically, even back in 1981, there'd be some kind of de- a delay buffer. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. That's just a minor gripe. Movie logic in, in all movies. If you're doing something that's even remotely live TV, then it is exactly live yeah it doesn't that never that is never the case simply the audiences are just expected to expect that this is like a a live broadcast and there's no delay in case somebody curses or in case somebody yeah (laughs) does something crazy (laughs) um but but most of the time nowadays late night talk shows are recorded in the afternoon and then broadcast at night Hmm. yeah might have been different at one point but uh i don't know i We've talked this movie to nearly to death, um, but I am much more positive on it. I know than you are, Dawson. Um, but I, it wasn't like a you know mind blowing experience, quite as much as it was maybe hyped up to be. Yeah, to be yeah. for me. Um, but it was sad and somewhat interesting and kind of overall forgettable i mean i i I would rather watch any scorsese movie than this Mm -hmm. so you know doesn't quite doesn't quite fill the shoes that it wanted to in my opinion um but that's Mm -hmm. that's just my opinion all right but a fun a fun attempt i i like like as you said you know and a lot of people agree it's it's cool mm -hmm. to try to make the the darker the grittier more realistic superhero superhero quote unquote um yeah i think it's worth giving yeah another chance the whole social i know commentary surrounding it is unfortunate and uh is something that also like that some of the creative people involved have unfortunately shied away from 
uh, I feel like it'd be behooves people like Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix to be able to at least address the criticisms surrounding, um, you know, ins potentially inspiring people who are similar to the Joker. Uh, but uh, as artists, I, it's also their prerogative to not necessarily give the entire intention behind their art. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I, I like this comment from Joaquin Phoenix when addressed regarding the growing internet fueled need for validation. You know, this from the UK Telegraph interview in which mm. Phoenix walked out for 60 minutes after being confronted about uh, imitators. But um, yeah, F Phoenix himself despises the um, validation, like the likes culture, you know, the, the social media culture of today, where you know, he says, I don't get pleasure out of the idea of being seen in a movie. Um, it, you know, it makes me more uncomfortable than anything. The reason I do it is because I freaking love doing it. What does that have to do with the movie may or may not inciting maybe or maybe not inciting violence, though? He uh, explaining that that didn't really cross his mind. He just mm -hmm. liked the idea of challenging himself for the role of the Joker. Yeah. Okay. I liked the the story and the script and the mm -hmm. the acting challenge and yeah. And you know, I guess I should should people think about that? I mean, it's uh, I think Plato writes or or spoke about um, you know art for the city or art made by the people for the state should, it should only depict what we want society to be like. It shouldn't depict society as it is. Um, hmm. Yeah, he, I, was, I was surprised when I, when I read that. And, you know, I think there's something, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I, there, it's interesting that that opinion is that old. And, you know, maybe there is something to be said for that, uh, something to be said for how much time are we spending reflecting life as it is with our art and you know how maybe just dwelling in you know life is bad so here's a film about how bad life is instead of <laughs> yeah you know maybe well like we don't there aren't really yeah. a whole lot of comedies lighthearted comedies in, in cinema anymore and it, there's mm -hmm. a lot of darkness out I, there i think this is yeah this is perhaps adjacent to the concept of the postmodern deconstruction that is all the rage i mean it yes. has been since the 70s, essentially, that was the era, you know, of Taxi Driver and a lot of darker themed films. And that was kind of subverted by, uh, you know, like Star Wars that were hopeful. Yeah. A new hope. You know? it, it is um, interesting that you have like you kind of oh the 1950s. It's all happy go lucky golden age. And then 70s is when things get trashy. But there was this whole, yeah. uh, you know, there two parallel lines in filmmaking going on where you had the George Lucas's and the Steven Spielberg's making movies like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And, uh, you know, the eighties is full of, you know, just lighthearted fun, but it's also yeah. full of, you know, and then there's people who aren't, you know, even embarrassed to say, yeah, I'm making dark, evil, awful movies because I love it. And cause I love darkness. Well, horror movies have their appeal. You're dealing with the unknown, but even these more cynical movies, dealing with kind of people, human nature at its worst, 
um, it, it exposes an aspect of human nature that you know we don't seek to promote or you know um, endorse, but um, is kind of fun to play with <laughs> now and then. And uh, yeah, postmodern deconstructionism, you know, we there that met a, a huge pushback with, uh, you know, for example, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which is a movie I I love, uh, and I like the fact that they Oof, love that angle. What a that, strong yeah. word. I, I mean, I love anything. I love anything Star Wars because I'm a sucker. Ah, <laughs> but, at least you're aware. Um, at least, yeah. And I, and I feel like you've really come around on the prequels too, if I'm not incorrect. Oh like, well, I mean, I I, kind of I, love, I love watching the prequels. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I I I agree with any criticism that anyone has about the prequels. I've heard them all. I agree with them mm -hmm. all, and I love watching them. And okay. I and I I you know, there's 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 so much to love, so much mm -hmm. to love. Um, th yeah. then the new ones, I mean, you know, like well, like you know, I can and we're not going to get into it, but I can. I can say, you know, I don't like The Last Jedi very much. And, you know, to a degree, I, The Force Awakens was also lacking for me. But, like, I'm, I'm excited mm -hmm. to see Rey and Poe and Finn in this new movie. I'm excited for it. I genuinely am, you know, because, yeah. because it's Star Wars and because it's like, and when the opening crawl starts, you know, even if I'm not maybe expecting the greatest movie in the world, I'm going to be thrilled to, to see Star Wars Episode Nine appear on screen and to hear the music mm -hmm. and to... And to go for another ride and you know i don't i i'm not a sucker i'm not a sucker but i'm not i don't know what i, I don't know what i am i'm just i'm just a guy i'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe well so. my my attraction to you know tearing things down and really taking a, a very scrutinous look at at things and reality i mean that um is counterbalanced for me with the desire to also build up and and be positive and focus on the good as well. I mean, I, I feel like the, the good outshines any of the bad, you know, as long as as you give it a chance. Um, which is why, you know, the, this entire podcast dedicated to Frozen, you know, the Thodcast, uh, because that film for me is like the perfect example of a deconstruction uh, met with a, a reconstruction. Told in this, and I don't understand that at all. Fable. You don't understand that. It Frozen is one of the most wonderfully painfully average movies ever made, ever made, and it's delightful and wonderful and it's great. But I have well, I have no emotional <laughs> investment in in it. Um, I, I like the aesthetics of it certainly, uh, and yeah. the the Disney fairy tale appeal is is unquestionable, um, at least for maybe other examples of the disney animated fairy tale for you but i, I yeah well and i think frozen the, holds up to that uh, the sequel i think the sequel has a lot of potential for that for the fairy tale as i love the concept of fairy tale to to come around um because fairy yeah. that fairy that's a whole other discussion you know we can talk about psychology mm -hmm. we can talk about fairy we can talk just, about aesthetics philosophy and, and film theory you know we can just wow well every and, like raw sentimentality too though open Ross, what? Well, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm done. I, I, some, I trail off sentences. I realize when I listen back at myself. See, that wasn't even oh, a I mean, sentence at myself. No, that's all right. We're only 41 episodes in, uh, which, which isn't that many. Uh, but like the raw sentimentality of some of those, you know, Renaissance Disney films, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, they're such a gold mine for 
emotion, you know, just raw emotion and uh, pathos um, that, that I find to be matched fully by Frozen, just personally. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, will criticize that approach to storytelling as, as sort of pandering or, I don't know, um, manipulative. But um, to, to me, it, it I like manipulative. I, it's just, it's story structure 101. Or, There's saccharine. nothing. Saccharine. That sac, oh man. I'm, d- I'm not saying I believe this. But... Oh, no, no, I know. And it's like, it, you know, whatever it's because like people people who hate the last jedi love the joker love etc like you know there's all these different points that like you know maybe you can align people on but then you can't also Mm -hmm. at the same you know i hate frozen love the joker hate the last jedi hate disney love marvel figure that you know uh i don't know so it's but Mm -hmm. maybe people are allowed to be complicated and have different opinions and also do they matter anyway that's that's the ultimate lesson yeah i have Um. no opinions until i do (laughs) I, yeah. my, I have to get, you know, some, I, I'll go a week without thinking know. about Star Wars and then someone will say The Last Jedi. And then I have to remember, what are all my opinions? I have them. There's some. I just think, <laughs> you know, conversations about animation, like the entirety of the Disney Renaissance to me can be traced to one person. Any guesses as to what that is? The entirety of or, or who, who that is. Walt Disney. Um, not entirely, uh, a person who actually worked on these movies and unfortunately he died as they were being made. Terry Rossio? Um, no, Howard Ashman, the songwriter. Oh, um, you don't hear his name nearly as much as you hear Alan Menken. No. And he, his, he was mentioned at the panel. I saw D23 Expo by, um, I believe Paige O'Hara or, or Jody Benson, probably both of them. Who my love. Uh, you know, voices Howard Ashman Bell and, died? When? And, uh, um, during the production of uh, Beauty and the Beast. He also had a, a few songs oh, way back, in Aladdin way as back well. Then. Yeah, early, like 1990, maybe. So he didn't write um, lyrics for for all of the Disney Renaissance films? like Just uh, uh, Mermaid through Aladdin. Mermaid through, okay, wow. Mm-hmm. And I think it was his input that really gave those movies that grand romantic, like Broadway-esque sensibility that made them stand out so much. That's probably why you don't you don't hear Mencken and Ashman the same way you hear uh, Lerner and Lowe and uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, paired together because they just their that partnership would have gone on uninterrupted had he not met an untimely and unfortunate demise. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and yeah, not to undervalue Mencken's contribution. Well, he's, well. It, I, everyone I just, knows his, he's incredible. Yeah, I know that Ashman did contribute a lot to the story aspects of those films because he was the lyricist of that duo. Right. Uh, so, you know, that, the song, Part of Your World, that cemented the new era of Disney animated storytelling uh, was... It, almost entirely like of Ashman's vision. Um, and, and I think was a big, um, was kind of the epitome of what he was trying to do in terms of conveying like an emotional core to these films. 
Yeah, there it is. I man, I, I have nothing, <laughs> from, I have nothing uh, Joker. else to say. I, I, sorry, uh, my wife is also home and she is rummaging sorry, around yeah, we, and, we'll, and we'll she wants her house back and it's been well over an hour, which... Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how that necessarily relates to... Uh, uh, well, uh, ending on a positive note rather than a hopeful note. Yeah, yeah. Joker, what a freaking incredible movie. Not as good as Frozen, though. Frozen. <laughs> uh, Frozen, bro. No, yeah. Uh, I don't know how to tie it all back in. But um, anyways, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for sentimentality and really getting into a person's yeah, mind. Well, I, I can like, I can like, we can like D Disney Renaissance films and There Will Be Blood at the same time. You know, people, mm -hmm. why do you watch those weird, slow paced, boring, dumb, like dark, broody <laughs> movies? And like David Lynch, who that? Why would you watch that? They're confusing. I'm like, I get, I like them. I don't, I don't freaking know. Because they offer, <laughs> they, uh, ideally, they'll offer a glimpse into a person's soul or at least their psyche. Why do we watch movies at all? Why do we why do we sit in front of a screen and watch other people's made up stories play out rather than living our real stories? Or is any of this real? Maybe it's all a simulation. I don't know. And maybe Joker's <laughs> never mind. Uh, anyways, well, it would be interesting to see them try to incorporate other elements, the Batman universe into Joker. That's kind of the last thing I wanted to mention. Which yeah, I don't think yeah, are there plans really to do that? Are there plans to do that? I don't know. I'm sure Warner Brothers would like to make a sequel to a movie that's already grossed I heard well over a million something, dollars. I heard something about Robert Pattinson dollars. playing Batman. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it's the Matt Reeves Batman uh, movie that's coming up. And Which may have something to do with Joker? No? That's designed to be a series. No, it has nothing to do with this Joker. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. I love Robert Pattinson. Is that crazy? Is that an unpopular opinion? I don't know. No, he's, he's done some good work. Yeah. Since... Uh, he hates Twilight just as much as the next normal person. And he was in it. So, you know, that's one thing that's universal. Twilight's bad. We all agree on that, right? I don't know. I feel like oh, the hatred has gotten like... so out of hand. It, it's kind of, I, I feel like, yeah, probably is a little too extreme. But I don't know. Well. I haven't seen it. And on that terrible disappointment, it's time to say, <laughs> thank you so much for watching. Have a good night. No. All um, right, Dawson, where can people find you? Uh, no, uh, well, Minnesota, but I don't want people to find me. I like my privacy, and I don't want strangers coming up to my house and saying, hey, I'm your biggest extra. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, I, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook anymore. I'm yeah, you're, you're uh, not... Just Instagram go handle. to Philip's Instagram and then click on his friends and scroll through until you find Dawson Del Delwin Elke. That's my Instagram. Dawson Delwin Elke. Uh, all right. All right. Um, well, thank you thank for you listening for having to... me on your yeah, podcast. Yeah. I hope I didn't ruin it. Uh, have a great. No, this is very good. Um, I, I will have to do very little editing, I think. Uh, this went very smoothly. Pretty snappy, yeah. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. The Thodcast, conversations about animation, episode 41, talking about the Joker. Uh, Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. You can find the Thodcast, uh, thodcast.com, on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And you can find me, Philip Elke, on Instagram, at Philip Elke, on Twitter, at Philip Elke. Uh, find our social media um, for the Thodcast as well, at Thodcast, both Twitter and Instagram. All right. Well, everyone listening, you all have a uh, 
magical day and a wonderful week. Warm hugs, everyone.